Game 11, West Ham versus Topola Bacola. Yes, you heard that right. 21st of September 2023. Chapter entitled, Late on Parade. Over the years, I have to admit, I'm getting a little blasé about things, assuming far too much and think that I'm always right without double-checking. Today is one of those days where complacency and assumption cost me dearly. I am scheduled to commentate on Leisure Warsaw versus Aston Villa. Absolutely no issues with that whatsoever, except my assumption that this is an 8pm kickoff in England. I am sat in traffic as there's been an accident fouling all the roads around Oxfordshire, and my phone pings a message at 5.15. Have you done your pre-check from the studio? No. Why should I? It doesn't kick off till 8, I mutter to myself. Then blind panic ensues my tiny little brain. I quickly check a website. Holy fuck. After a quick glance at the phone to check the kickoff time, it's 5.45 and not 8. Solid traffic means no chance of getting there. I need divine assistance. I need the Badgemeister. Now, the Badgemeister is the organiser for this company, or my agent, I suppose. He has a stable of commentators, and I'm hoping my plea for a game switch might work. Thankfully, Badge deals with the matter after my ramblings of traffic, whilst not mentioning my forgetfulness. I'm offered a swap. Thank goodness for that. I head home through the traffic to collect my things required for the West Ham game. They're at home to Bacola Topola. Who? Is my first thought, and oh my word, the old names and numbers issues could happen again. Bacola Topola are from Serbia, and getting info on them is reasonably easy. Got some history, got some form, and I feel happy I can have enough at my fingertips to build an authoritative commentary on them. West Ham are basically the big boys on paper in this match, so I am feeling confident I'll be enthusing over the Irons more than the Bakelite boys. And now before kickoff and pre-check done and sorted, we get the team news. West Ham are all names and players I know of, although it does feel a little second string. But all of these players have tremendous Premier League experience, so still enough in the locker, surely. Topola Pops boys are a little different. Nine of their starting 11 end in itch. Two don't. A little fatal for your commentator because the law of averages say that when the fabulous baking boys have the ball, the majority of the time it's going to be Stojic, Jovanovic or Petrovic. But the other two end completely different. Radan and Dakovac. Now my mind's on high alert not to say Radic and Dakovic when the commentary is in full flow. Now to yourselves that will not seem a problem. But when my mind flags it up prior to the game, it offers me those choices. Radin, Radic, Dakovac, Dakovic. See what I mean? The seed has been planted. FFS, as people say, and add to their WhatsApp and text messages nowadays. Anyway, not letting my mind get the better of me is the way forward. But up inside the cranium, it's on repeat or loop. Radin, not Radic, Dakovac, not Dakovic. And as it loops around, your eyes look at something else and your mind has now changed it like the pantomime sketch. Radic, not Radin, etc, etc. Oh, the complexities of the human mind. Or maybe just mine. The game itself I would call heavy weather, if you are of a claret and blue persuasion. The Serbian side were ran ragged, but the Irons couldn't score. But what happens? One mistake from Ogbonna and Stanic buries the ball home for wild celebrations for the away side. Then it becomes a struggle for David Moyes' men, and for a while it's looking a little desperate. But kudos for kudos, as he gets two in four minutes to give the Irons a lead before Tommy Suchek heads one in for a 3-1 win. 
It's a good game for broadcast as a jeopardy in it allows a story to be built for the listener. Oh, by the way, did I ever tell you that I was told at my stint in the BBC that people who were listening were not allowed to be called listeners on air. So in time on a fashion and remembering those words, it allows you to build a story for persons, whoever that may be, who have audio catching senses or tools to really enjoy the flavour of a live storytelling. Honestly. And guess what? Thankfully, Radic and Dakovic hardly had any touches. But Radin and Dakovac did. Game 12, Crystal Palace versus Fulham, 23rd of the 9th, 2023. Chapter entitled, When You Hope You Can Double Bluff Yourself. Hi-ho, it's off to work I go, and today's TalkSport International Fair is one where all the signs in my mind seem to point towards a dour titanic struggle. Having covered Palace's opening game against Sheffield United away, which I noted was a poor spectacle and decided by one goal, and having covered Fulham's one-shot, one-goal victory over Loopsman recently, this didn't have my pulse racing. While I look out of the train window in the ever-filling carriage, two things fill my mind. The poem called, Where'd You Look on a Busy Train? And the second one is allowing my mind, whose morose prediction of the game ahead, tells me that I'm wrong. It's going to be a humdinger. Let's look deeper into the first part of that. Where a train or a tube carriage becomes busy, invariably you cannot keep your head and eyes in a singular position. By that I mean at some point your eyes will meet somebody else's eyes. So you look away, and after a few minutes feel your muscles tense in your neck as you force yourself to look away. You now need to move your neck and eyes, and lo and behold you catch the same person's eye again. Shit! So then you look elsewhere. In my case, often finding something else I shouldn't look at. A wart on a nose, a hairy mole on a cheek, a wig, or heaven forbid, a hanging bogey. All these items and many more often cause me to stare. Not that I'm aware of staring, but at times I feel I've looked away for minutes instead of only milliseconds. So you look away and catch the self-same person's eyes again. For fuck's sake, they'll think I'm besotted with them. So now you opt for safety. So this is either the ceiling or the floor stair. But this again is an unnatural position and requires movement before rigor mortis sets in. Shit, another eye-catching moment followed by the walkman catching you looking at his walked. You know the drill. This continues on repeat for the whole journey. So yes, I think there is a sort of Pam Ayres comedic poem in there, but I'm sure somebody's done it before. But how would I know? Thinking about it, there are only so many keys on a piano, chords and rhythms, so after hundreds of years, they must now be getting the same songs. So after listening to those ramblings, you can tell where my mind is. Now though, my mind has gone into kidology mode. It knows that everything points towards a game of little action. Therefore, my mind decides to, I hope, try and cheer me up by telling me, yes, the case looks unerringly boring, but they are often the best games. And I swallow it. By now I'm thinking this is going to be a lot better than you think. Buoyed by this kidology, I'm upbeat when getting to London Bridge Station concourse for my obligatory latte. It's a warm September day, there is a threat of some precipitation in the air, but hey-ho, let's go. The normal commentator catch-up goes on, final preps, team news arrive and team news is reported and recorded. Both teams are very much as expected. Jimenez, William and D. Cordova Reed lead the line for Fulham whilst the talented Eze is playing, Elise wide and the industrious Ayu with Eduard up top for Palace. Both sides talented individuals who can change games are there. 
things are adding to my mind's newly instilled buoyancy about the match. 2.55, mics up and off we go. Bang in the drum on what should be a freedom football spectacular. Why did I allow myself to be duped once again by my own mind? It's tucked me up like a kipper. My mind is laughing at me. Jeez, what an insipid affair this was. The game made me feel like a dog. Why, you may ask? Well, for every hour of our human lives, that is equivalent, so they say, to seven hours for a dog. Well, woof, woof, throw me a bone. This 90 minutes felt like a month. Nil-nil, very few chances, if any, in fairness, and home. On the train, checking the local scores and stories ahead of my Sunday morning show, which is in its last rise as we've been sold to a national station and localness will be dispensed with. Hard to be motivated sometimes, but let's see what the most powerful thing we have of the mind can do for me now. I sleep for my dreams. Game 13, the Oxford City Stars versus the Slough Jets, the 24th of September, 2023. Chapter called Tension and Nerves. Well, you are probably wondering who these two are. Well, this is my local ice hockey club, or should I say one of them. There are two National Ice Hockey League teams in Oxford, the City Stars in League One and the Rising Stars in League Two. This, in a local aspect, equals the newspaper and radio big boys Oxford United in terms of their respective National League pyramids. Both play in the third tier, but only one covets a lot of column inches. Needless to say, it's not the City Stars. But all kudos to them as they sign Petr Cech, the former Chelsea and Champions League winner, in net and are maximising their publicity, generally heralding an assault on their ideal target, which would be fourth in the division after a miserable season prior. It was around nine years ago I took up doing internet broadcasts for the stars and it's safe to say I enjoy the sport for its pace, ferocity and skill. But as a gentleman who cannot sit still, Covid and an A10 Mini Pro video tutorial on YouTube and I decided to go all out for doing live sports streaming from the rink akin to ITV, BBC, BT Sports and Eurosports etc with myself and a volunteer cameraman. And I will conclude, up until the end of last season, our kit pretty much stood the test of download and upload speed issues to give a good product. I say stood up to, but all of a sudden the kit that had worked fine for two years started to behave like it needed new batteries, stuttering and cacheting. For the record, it wasn't a battery issue. Sustaining a mobile broadband for two hours plus was becoming an issue. Anyway, today was the first home game of the season for the Stars and a chance to demonstrate what the publicity machine had been banging on about. Kit out of the van and wheeled in, set up, speed test done and cameras in position. One main camera operated by Rob and two remote cameras working using 5G antennas. The broadcast desk monitors picking it all up. There are two units running off the mobile Wi-Fi we create using a bonded SIM system. The platform we run through provides me with an RMTP code, which I have to insert into the ATEMS programming software, and we add the stream key for us to broadcast. Now that all sounds gobbledygook to some and simple to others, but there are some quirks in how to do this. These quirkations often lead to grey hairs and panic calls to Dickie K to sort it out. And if the stress levels were not growing at this point, we do not have a cordoned off area from the public. And whilst every attempt has been made with rolls and rolls of gaffer tape keeping things safe, i.e. no trip hazards, it is a continual stress of making sure the passing public who walk by to their seats do not kick plugs and equipment. Which is difficult to monitor whilst in full flow commentary director mode. Maybe I undertake too much. 
but it usually works very well and produces a fine broadcast or live stream. So there you have it. I stress over health and safety. I worry over signal strength and sustainability. I need to concentrate on selecting the right camera shots whilst doing the overlay graphics and commentating without forgetting the big-footed fans that walk by. Petr Cech is due to netmine tonight and ticket sales were good, meaning more fans inside the ring. Great news for the Snars coffers and indeed live stream sales, but more stress than usual with a packed rink. But there is no Petr Cech tonight. But Millsy, a fan's favourite and one of the best netties in the league, is in between the pipes. A quick summary of the game, and it could not have been more of a damp squib if it had tried. The triumphant publicity machine who had popped the stars well and truly up on a pedestal saw the stars give a miserable performance and lost 6-0 at home. It was a real eye-opener for myself, and afterwards was wondering how long this campaign could become for the stars. Back of my mind was screaming it's the first home match, but the evidence in front of my eyes did not show any real hope. The stream behaved itself on our made-up mobile Wi-Fi for two hours, but in the last period it wobbled, fell over and was put back up and gave an interrupted service. I got to the rink at 3.30 and left around 9.45. I set up on my own and packed away on my own. I stress over the product, I worry about the equipment and the public around it. I feel let down by the signal and, oh, I forgot to mention the performance was even more of a concern for me. Game 14, Everton versus Luton Town on the 30th of September 2023. Chapter entitled, A September Six-Pointer. So today is Parkway Oxford Marleybone Day. The need for a seat on the train is a must today. Searing pain in the knees means I must be on it at its first stop. So I get on it at its last stop to ensure a seated 80 minutes. The train from London literally bounces back to London from Oxford through Oxford Pathway, so that's what I do. All good and with a brief bout of darkness on the train where I contemplate the universe and what I feel is my total waste of a life, I am walking on London Bridge Concourse with my latte in my hand. I am a little early and my prep is pretty complete, so I am still metaphorically wandering around in my own head. So I scribble a couple of dark mood poems. The thought this could ever resemble poetry is rather an idealistic notion. My poems rhyme and are more like a Smith Depression song, opening lines like What the hell is life about? And does it come with satisfaction? All it is is one big struggle on our pathway to cremation. That's not actually what I wrote, but it's a quick indicative ditty. Nice light-hearted stuff though. I smile at the thought of someone reading them, thinking geez, what a great person to go and have a drink with. I glance across at our office block, sat at the foot of the shard. Today I have a real six-pointer. Everton, who for the last few years have somehow managed to wriggle from the noose of relegation, and Luton, who are everybody's favourites to go down at the end of the season. But this does appeal more to some of the games I've already commentated on this season. Now I remember going to Goodison Park as a youngster in 1981 for a midweek League Cup tie. We're talking in the years of low crowds, Margaret Thatcher, unemployment and hooliganism. Eamon O'Keefe broke Oxford's hearts with a late winner, but the experience of that visit still makes me come out in a cold sweat. From threats and acts of violence to the way the police at the time treated away fans. For instance, the Walton Park stand used to be terracing in the lower tier and seating above. And as you walked onto the terrace, unless you stood right at the back, you couldn't actually get a very good vantage point. If you stood at the front, 
you basically could only see football boots of the players, as your feet were about five feet below pitch level. But there wasn't a concourse then and programme sellers would walk around the pitch perimeter. So to gain their attention you would climb up on the fence and poke your hand through to buy a programme. And then a policeman would wrap you across the knuckles as you hung onto the bars of the fence with his truncheon so you fell back off onto the concrete terrace. And that, I'm afraid, was one of the less harsh treatments being handed out on Merseyside back then. Anyway, I digress. Sean Dyche was tasked with turning Everton fortunes around. This is at a time where the board of directors of Everton were urged by the local constabulary not to attend. Such was the rage of the Toffees fans presently. And Luton were looking for their first Premier League win of the season. The fans of Everton may be looking at this as a pivotal game that they cannot afford to lose. Well, sadly for them, they did lose it. An uncleared set-piece for Luton saw Lockyer block the clearance and see it ricochet in for Luton's first. And then Morris swept in at the Gladys Street end after being left unmarked on the Luton right for 2-0. Everton grabbed one back through Calvert-Lewin, but Luton got their first Premier League win of the season. On my team sheet, I scribbled the words, good and interesting scrap. Going back though, referring to my earlier recollection of Merseyside, it's interesting how situation and stories can distort your feelings for a place. This wasn't helped when the Heisel incident stopped my beloved Oxford United from competing in Europe. With the considered report filed, I'd head across London for Paddington for my return journey simply because the journey is one quicker, the seats are plusher, plus you get a table and a plug for myself to update the newspaper. I sought Sunday's interviewees out and catch up on local sports teams' performances before getting home and doing some editing. And that is another day in the life of the journeyman commentator. <laughs>